electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Market Moving Insight and Analysis. Join Jim Cramer, David Faber, and me, Carl Quintanilla, on the opening bell hour of CNBC Squawk on the Street. Good Thursday morning and welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm David Faber along with Jim Cramer. We are live from the New York Stock Exchange. Carl, he has the morning off. Let's give you a look at futures as we get ready to open. Uh, trading a half hour from now, you can see we are looking for what will be a lower open uh, across the board. Our roadmap this morning does start with uh, Tesla, another record quarter for the automaker. But the company says challenges from chips, ports, and rolling blackouts could weigh on production. Yeah. Plus, shares of AT&T are rallying. The company is posting or did post strong wireless subscriber additions. And not fully forthcoming, Facebook's oversight board rebuking the company on its treatment of high-profile users we are expecting to speak to a board member. Yeah, now this is very controversial. You know hour. this is big, David, if only just because people are going to wonder how important and independent the board is. I've been doing a lot of work on the board. It seems damn independent. But let's do the rest. Of the- God, that outfit's great. So let's do the rest. Thank you. Uh, yeah, okay, we'll do the rest. Well, the rest is a lot, of course. Earnings uh, is the key here, Jim, and that's really where we should start this I've got, morning. I've got seven pages. At your, I know. I'm looking at your list. Um, Top by Unilever and then uh, HP. What? I'm gonna I'm gonna start with I mine because I want to start with positives. What Unilever and HP were really positive. Were they really positive? Yeah, that's why I was starting with positives because I'm an optimistic person. I know you are. I'm you not. I'm are. not. I'm uh, not Saturnine. <laughs> morose? No, I'm not morose. Dower? No, Dolphin? in store. Lugubrious? Kind of. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think I got them all. Maybe there's a couple more. I re- actually remember those from my SAT preparation no, I got on that port. 40 years ago, whenever that was. What, what'd you get? Well, I got a perfect one like LSAT. <sighs> All right, let's I get to it. it. Speaking of a less than perfect, but actually better than perhaps expected, let's start with AT&T. Okay. I, it's a name you don't like for no, any no, no, of I reasons. Said, I said I don't hate it anymore. I just don't find upside. But, David, there is I will give it to you. upside this morning. Yeah, it's David, I'm going to give you stock. the Obviously, it 1. is. 1.2 million wireless net ads yes, is very nine, good, 928,000 post paid for AT&T, which is a strong number. In fact, far stronger than Verizon's number that we got a few days ago. We all know about the promotional nature of things, but, you know, AT&T, mm-hmm. sort of the CFO telling me in a call earlier that it's not really as much about, uh, about that. It's simply about what they say is executing better on wireless but David, uh, you and know taking that, share potentially. That, well, that's the, that's the, we have to talk about this 289,000 net ads in broadband. David, has yep. it become just a free-for-all in broadband? Well, they're going to, I mean, on the call, which I think is, is underway, they're going to be talking about their accelerating build band, uh, build out, excuse me, for fiber, which of course then gets I'm, to the broadband. I'm willing to say that's bullish. That has weakened, as you know, shares not just of our parent company, Comcast, but as well Charter, and, and even more so, of course, the much smaller Altice. Uh, this idea that AT&T in certain markets is going to become a more formidable competitor as it overbuilds with fiber. And they say, at least, you know, when they do that, uh, they take share where they build. Well, they have to by nature. Yeah. David, this is the nightmare coming true. And so we're all going to ask about who needs to do deals, whether this FTC will allow deals. This is arguably, I know this, we work today, but this is arguably the most important earnings story out there. And I'm willing to give you that this is a better than expected quarter, and it is taking share from people. Yeah. Um, and I maybe it's not dumb and dumber anymore. My friend John Ledger talked about that yesterday. But he's well, we've got Maurice Claret across the street. We have yeah, the whole Marcel gang. Claret, Marcel Claret. Marcel Claret, by the way, was being interviewed by um, another person. Yes, yes, he came down from the NASDAQ. It's amazing how he could do that, wasn't it? Yeah. We're here, but he came down. It's Andrew, and we, we, love we do treasure We love him, but he's But, David, everywhere. this is really important because I've been very negative on them, and I'm yes. willing to say this is the bottom and that the, the focus that they did here, I'd like to know whether how much was done with the subsidy. It also makes me feel like perhaps this is a, a clarion call for knowing more about Apple. Interesting. Uh, 
and it may be. Now, you know, we'll see. This, uh, listen, this stock, as you point out, Jim, you've been right to be negative on it. It's still down 10% for the year. Yeah, but it's I'm not going to be. Listen, it's going to be a far smaller company, AT&T. We can't say that enough, of course. Right. And their, their key contention for why they are uh, jettisoning, so to speak, either splitting or spinning uh, Warner HBO uh, into Discovery is because they want focus. And so they're going to continue to talk about the fact that they are now going to be able to execute on a higher level as a result of the focus solely on the wireless business. It's a good quarter. By the way, though, I did want to turn to actually that name, Discovery, because take a look at how that stock has performed since the deal was announced. Uh, It's been nothing short of just horrible. Uh, And I think we have that chart as well. There it is. Uh, You know, we're talking about a stock that's declined by over 28% since they announced the deal. And there just seems to be, because this is going to close, most likely perhaps even in the first quarter, but certainly the first half of next year. Uh, And there are a lot of investors who just don't want a part of it because they're worried about the leverage at the the company five times. Remember, it'll be one of the largest media companies in the world. Obviously, have a a direct-to-consumer will be its primary focus, but it still has a lot of linear networks. And with five times leverage... And linear networks, there still seems to be some resistance, despite what I believe, obviously, many others do, will be strong leadership from David Zaslav and an increasing management uh, team, that, that it's going to be tough. So, you know, AT&T is jettisoning a lot there to create value, so to speak. Seventy percent of this company is going to be owned or controlled by former AT&T shareholders. Um, we'll see, Jim. Well, I mean, look, remember, the, a lot of times we, we have to think about who the shareholder base is. Yeah. Uh, ATT was for dividend with slow growth. Right. Verizon is for a little lower dividend, a little faster growth. T-Mobile up five yesterday because they've got the fastest growth. And we are in a market, David, where even though interest rates are low, the individual investor is addicted to growth, not dividend. Highly unusual. So uh, the idea that maybe ATT is on a restart mode and we can start looking at it again is exciting to me. I'm excited about that. Wow. Well, that's by far the most positive thing I've heard you say well, about AT&T well, since the deal was announced. Okay, so and you were very, very angry, rightly I was so, angry perhaps, because, because I you were misled been... on the dividend, period. And I think misled's the right word. Yeah. I'm not choosing just the word dissemble. I think I was just misled. But when I look at this, I say, you know, is it a star that's born? No. But I would say, wait a second. They're not an also-ran. And, and, uh, but the whole group seems a little less investable if you're in it. Broadband's been the power. And, and, the, and the name, the best name, uh, so to speak, at least over any period of time, of course, has been T-Mobile. Right. Uh, and we haven't heard from that company yet. No, so not at all. it'll be interesting to see in terms of their post-pay Siebert, uh, net ads. Siebert's been putting up good numbers. Yes. Uh, not as promotional as Leisure. No. They have a, but they do have a different, I might argue, a stronger culture in some way at T-Mobile, yes. having seen it to a certain extent, firsthand. You know, well, Verizon and AT&T are such enormous companies. It's so exciting. Like when I went to a Burlington, Co- uh, Burlington, not Co- Factory, yeah. but Burlington store yeah. uh, near uh, Coney Island, there were some T-Mobile people right outside trying to get you to sign up. They all knew John Ledger, personally. They felt that John, they were mission-driven. Yep. Like the way we work was initially mission-driven. Uh, the Burlington had a line around the block. David, I was just trying to buy a couple of T-shirts for three bucks. <laughs> It was, but it was an eye-opening experience to have people selling T-Mobile to me who said, yeah, John, and then I mentioned that, then we called John, you know, texted John, and John knows everyone. He just seemed to be remarkable in terms of his salesman ability. So we're awaiting, obviously, the numbers there. All right, let's move on, uh, Jim, to Tesla if we can. Yes, And then get to some of the other names you're highlighting this morning, of course, that you did mention, Unilever being key amongst them. But on Tesla, give me your your take here, obviously. Very, you know, many analysts, of course, saying very solid results. Not necessarily a huge surprise, per se, but they delivered. Tesla is, I've been using TAN, which is uh, Tesla, Amazon, Netflix, companies that people had written off that keep coming back. David, you know what the problem with Tesla was? Tell me. It was perfect. And we were looking for perfect. Uh, the only thing we did get is we have some people raising price. Wedbush raising price target uh, to 1100 I don't know why I didn't choose 1500 He'll probably get there eventually. Uh, but Shanghai, this was the, this what I thought was most interesting. Shanghai is actually exporting to the U.S. That's how successful so the, the factory in China is actually exporting right. automobiles to the U.S. Right. And then now, Berlin, they are working on a new one in Austin. And Berlin. And Berlin. The most exciting is Tesla is so tech-oriented that when you go to a new, or the old days when Intel was Gloria, what was just a sainted company. Like, I went to the... Uh, the, the, Andy, Ir- the Andy Grove days. Right. I went to the, uh, the opening of an Irish plant. Fab. 
that. Yep. And they threw away most of them at the beginning because they weren't perfect. We're starting to talk about Tesla in the same way, that Berlin, like maybe the first 200 cars, 400 cars may not be perfect. It's like a, it is a fab. It's a fab. Not just fabulous, but it's a fab. And I'm going to work on that concept from now on going forward. I know there are a lot of people who say, listen, it's still a car. I think that chart shows you that we're just searching for something that's more uh, akin. Yes. It's a fab well, that produces technology. There are a lot of technology. other businesses there as well. I mean, don't forget solar. Don't forget Starlink. There's, there's other things going right. on at Tesla. Obviously, but, automation, full automation of the automobile could, is going to produce potentially but, an entirely new business line. But let's look at it another great way. Yes. When you're in Germany, yes. I don't know if you've been to Germany. Uh, not excited. in a long time. Quite excited. Yeah. That's BMW. Right. It's Volkswagen. Spins. It's Audi. He Audi was one of the great, we think, great cars, right? Yep. Well, who's right in their backyard? Who's planting an American flag there? Why don't we give that more credit? I salute Tesla. I think it goes to a thousand. Let the sellers come in just the way this, they came in in Netflix yesterday. Hey, Squid Man, I'm Squid. I'm talking to you. I'm listening to you. I'm right, trying to right. read a little bit about the valuation of Tesla here to just you know add to the discussion. You I'm put your, put from your vans on and focus. What did you call me, Squid? What? Not squid word, squid game. But I, David, I watched I it love again it. last yeah, night. It just, just keeps getting more. I mean, it's just brutal. It's right. just squid game. It's just okay. So six times the million people have watched six, that. I don't know what the gross world. margin yeah. of yeah. Ford. Yeah. yeah. Sorry to stay focused. Yeah. Stay focused. Uh, and we're talking about a million cars. We're talking about a real car company. David, their conference call. One of the most boring, maybe the biggest yawner. Remember when their conference call was really to make fun of analysts right. and, and have a doobie. David, this thing read like. It, 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 not even GM was more exciting as a conference call. I'm thinking that this red, like, like, um, not a steel company. They're pretty exciting too. How about like a? It read like a corrugated box conference call. Wow, that that exciting. That, huh? Yes, so I take those boring. to bed. I take those to bed. I used to use legal cannabis. So it could have now put you I to read sleep. the Tesla conference call. Potentially, it could have put you to sleep. Oh, These, those my. words alone, that right there, right in, in the middle of the Tesla conference call, I found myself using where are my drops. I was using drops to stay keep my eyes up. I mean, that's it was so bad. I use these it's when I'm reading. Okay. I use these when oh, I am man. trying to do the Tesla conference call. This is the only way to study it and read it. <laughs> those get me every time. Well, Every time. They like are this? just. You like they this? They are just. Oh, brilliant. Adam Jonas, milking margins. Every time. I called Jonas and I gave him a shot in an email. I used too much fun. Put them on one more time. Just you sure? So, yeah. Well, this so is what you need. Now, I want about, everyone at home to understand. When, the old days when you read a Tesla conference call, it was, yeah. you couldn't show it to your kids. It was X-rated. It was really rather amazing. The new Tesla call is so boring that you have to put these on in order to stay awake when you're reading it. Right. Okay. What do I need to know about diamonds again? Is it color, cut, and what was the other thing? I don't know. I gave up on those people. They don't like me. What? I gave money what? to the apes. I gave money what? to the. What? No, I'm woman. talking about diamonds as in a di- you're a diamond merchant. Yes, I got these from. I got these from. Um, uh, right. Walgreens. That's, right. Let's get Ross to some other earnings. Let's Ross get had a great quarter. The stock is stuck let's at 47. Get to some other earnings. Let's okay, go sure. back to your list. I, you want to talk about IBM? I, no. Okay, the reason why I put Unilever yeah, on. Yeah, tell me why. Is that Unilever I'm has glad pricing. To see Unilever, by the way, because well, we don't talk about it as it often. It comes out at 2.30 in the morning. Global when, consumer products giant. When Unilever comes out, I yep. like to be up and watching it, which is one of the reasons why my eyes have an infection today. David, what I thought was important about it, did 4.5, but they raised price. Now, Procter didn't raise price yet. Right. Unilever did raise price, and I think that's important because Procter is now going to have to catch up. Unilever is an incredibly well-run company, okay? And I just think I wanted to point it out because these two companies, Unilever and Procter, are delivering amazing numbers. Amazing but, numbers. But your point's an important one because, of course, it does get back to the broader issues that we are dealing with, uh, which is inflation. And these guys, that's a lot of money, 4%. Yes, well, percent you, I, I went through every on in, everything. I went through every a input lot. for a bottle a bottle of shampoo. Every okay. input is up. Real. Every input. Well, there's a lot of ingredients on some shampoo. I, I don't believe you Frank went through Mitch. every single input. I got this guy, Frank Mitch, from Fermi and gave it to me. Okay. It's, it's incredible. He's a Jet fan, which is really disappointing. But, for all of us, yes. Yeah, but the, the, the amount of things that have gone up to make anything. And so it's a foot race to raise price. And Unilever was ahead of Procter, but Procter did a good job. And we slagged Procter too heavily. I did that. I, you were quite, you were quite, well, because they, I, I don't want to say negative. You were critical, though, of Procter well, in terms think, of what it's going to mean. They had that significant reduction in margin. What was it? 373. It was points. one of the biggest reduction margins I've seen. Uh, but you said they didn't handle their supply chain as well as they might. No, they didn't. I think Unilever handled it better. But Unilever stock has been straight down. Uh, and you're buying at a very good level here. 
very good level, four, almost 4% yield. So I put that at the top because I was very impressed with the way they handle supply chain. What happened to their old, their old CEO? The, Paul Pullman, I'm reading Paul his Pullman. unbelievable book yeah. right now on sustainability. It starts out, you would love it, with the clash of Kraft Heinz versus Unilever. And how Kraft Heinz, basically, he said, was going to, Paul Pullman, this was a great CEO, so okay, care. Was very much he said they were going to get rid of all, the things, all right? the things that made Unilever into a human company, he felt that Kraft Heinz would slash. So he led the fight against one of the great Three, aggressive companies. They, and they, the book reads really. They totally screwed that up. The book reads yeah. incredibly well. Does it? Yes. It reads like a great, you know, Guadalcanal kind of thing. All right. Let's move on to HP. Reiterates its fiscal oh, 2021 financial outlook. Uh, what a net earnings on Gap were uh, 386 to 406. That's the estimates, I should say, for this fiscal 2022. And I could go on, but I'll let you take over some, from okay, here. They, in terms they of too had supply chain quarter. issues. Yep. But what I think really, this is another company, and what I was focused on last night were companies that did not blame the supply chain, companies that predicted supply chain problems and were able to get beyond them. And well, Enrico Lori, Tesla a quiet, also did a pretty terrific. good job on that, didn't they? Tesla. Fabulous. Yeah, great job, right? Yeah. Fabulous. Sorry, back to HP. No, no. Yeah. Uh, Tesla's probably been the single biggest star in terms of supply chain. One of the reasons why they make all the cars. Now, I happen to be a big Ford aficionado, and we know we got a Ford uh, target boost. A lot of people are going now, uh, taking Ford up to 20. But I got to tell you something, David. I don't think Ford is a this quarter story. I own it for the travel trust. I think it's a next quarter story. Well, wait, wait. Because what they, about HP? Did you have HP is to a this quarter that? story? Well, they are doing gaming. Gaming is big for them. Uh, they are able to procure far more chips than, they, than I thought they would. And Enrico Lourdes has quietly turned that company into number two. I'm going to give Dell number one because I don't know if he's watched what, De- what Michael Dell's done since, since I actually that quarter. have kind of watched no, that, that uh, stuff's double in part because, right? uh, you know, the VMware spin. But did we have not mentioned place. WeWork? Uh, I don't want to mention WeWork. Why, you don't like tequila in the morning? No, it's I, smell I, of victory. You no, know, it's like we're here. We're here. Mm. Right here. Okay, we have They're to here. To, so How when come they weren't here you know what's when most we're important, here? You know what the most important SPAC is today? Yes, Trump. The Trump Media and Technology yes. Group, symbol WDAC. David, the, the sponsor previously did have a failed one. It was based in Wuhan. Not the highest quality sponsor. Uh, Patrick Orlando. Not the he highest had a quality deal underwriter. The, and Mr. Orlando and, uh, appears what, to be F. based Hutton? in Wuhan. Is that a... What? E.F. Hutton is the sole E.F. Hutton? runner. E.F. Yeah. Hutton came back? No, I just think it's in there. If it were April 1, we would be up. All right, we've mentioned both of those things. Now we can move on to more important matters. Coming up, the CEOs of Southwest, Nucor, and Union Pacific. We've got a lot more squawk in the street for you. Right here from, yes, the New York Stock Exchange is where we are, not the Nasdaq. Oh, David, stop that already. Let's get straight to the point. You want to grow your portfolio to fight rising costs of inflation or pay off your debt or anything standing in the way of you and financial freedom, right? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, can help. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been helping great investors like you. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just looking for tips, Yahoo Finance makes it super easy by putting all the tools and data you need in one spot. Yahoo Finance takes a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and more. You can securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. That's how Yahoo Finance gives you insights and helps you take a look at your wealth in its entirety. That big picture perspective is what great investors need. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor. YahooFinance.com, the number one financial destination. YahooFinance.com. That's YahooFinance.com. Welcome back. And I'll get to our Mad Dash a little bit early. Want to squeeze in a guest after that as well. So, uh, you know, IBM's a name we didn't get to in our sort of opening uh, conversation there. It was disappointing. Was it? Seriously disappointing. Uh, hardware weakness of $150 million. I didn't expect that. Weaker orders, uh, perhaps because the company's um, dividing. Stop smiling. This was, don't smirk at me. I'm, I know. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I got an email and somebody told me the thing I was forgetting on the diamond Thing. It's color cut and clarity. Go ahead. Jim. Thank you. You're welcome. I thought there was uh, Red Hat did hold up. I'm going to give you a little positive there. It did have 17% growth. Yeah. Uh, there were AI, which we know is the hottest single topic in the universe, whether it be the metaverse from uh, 
Mark Zuckerberg, or whether it be what Jensen Wong's doing, or pretty much all the companies, but their AI was a minus one. Uh, they expected to get back to mid-single digit. They called, they used the term tiny bit of pausing. Uh, Arvind Christian did not deliver. Uh, I know that he is uh, sorrowful about that. You and I have gone back and forth. You've been more positive. I've been a little... I've been, I, first I, of all, I don't take an opinion, but I think that there have been reasons that I others have decided to be concerned. No, I jumped the gun. Oh, you and also, have people own. come back to their debt load as well. I know it's a but, long way away. They generate free cash flow, all those they things. Do. But and, that cash and operating cash flow activities, good, by the way, was $16 billion, Adjusted free cash of $11.1 I, billion. I think that should be better. The thing that really worried me, and sometimes you have to look at the, the way a call is set up. Okay. People should know that. Katie Ubri who has been a backer, said, listen, there's also a shortfall in software. And that was meaningful because hardware, we understand there's a big split coming. But software short, shortfall, Katie Uberty sounded concerned. So and you, do you think it comes back to potentially an execution issue? Yes. Or is it something that Period can be blamed on execution, other... Execution, they better deliver when this company splits. Martin Schroeder taking over. The, yes, they right. better deliver because this is the type of thing that is going to make people say, you know what? I, not that it's financially engineering, but execution. All right. You heard that from Jim. We got an opening bell a few minutes away. By the way, followed by Southwest CEO Gary Kelly. Keep it here. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools. David, a lot of people aren't even aware that Facebook has a very aggressive, well-thought-out, powerful oversight board, which includes some total heavy hitters. I, I have been focused on some uh, Michael McConnell, president and director of Constitutional Law Center, Stanford Law. Just use him as an uh, example yep. and the person we have on now. The company this morning is saying the social media, this, the advisory board is saying that the social media giant hasn't been fully forthcoming with how it treats its high-profile users, which, of course, is one of the issues that the critics of Facebook have brought up. Yes, on both sides. Yes. And so we're going to get to the bottom of this right now. We're going to bring in an oversight board member, Julie Awano, another another person with tremendous credentials, director of Internet Without Borders, which I regard as being an ultimate arbiter, not at all owned by Facebook, so to speak. So let's get to guess it. Julie, right now when I'm looking at this report, it almost reads as if it's going to be something that, that, uh, that let's just say, a, an angry politician might feel in Washington that Facebook does. And here we are, the most authoritative group. You speak independently. Please give us your findings. I don't even want to characterize them because they're up to you. Thank you so much. I really like the uh, authority, authoritative word that you used because, indeed, the main key takeaways take from our report show that, first of all, 500,000 users have appealed to us, of which uh, half were related to hate speech and bullying because people wanted the content restored uh, and that had been taken down on these policies. The third information that I'd like to share is that half of the cases that we see came from the United States and Canada. And that of the decisions that we made, uh, Facebook was prompted to restore 30 pieces of content. And that we've asked 156 questions to the company, of which the company has answered to 130 and has committed to implement some of the recommendations that we've made. So uh, the main key key takeaway is that, yes, it's a difficult task, but we are uh, up for the challenge. We do not hesitate to uh, put in all the efforts to make sure that Facebook is more transparent, Facebook is, is more clear towards its users, and last but not least, that Facebook is more accountable. You know, I'm hearing this and I'm thinking that you're really calling out. You're really calling out Facebook. I think you're saying that they don't move fast enough, that they're not transparent enough. How will Facebook respond? I mean, I understand you guys are so independent that I don't even know if Facebook's ready to comment today. Well, that, that's the challenge. But I think it's also helpful for the company. 
we've had some hard questions and hard discussions with them, including on the cross-check mechanism. But after all these conversations, uh, Facebook has always realized that it's more helpful for, for the company to be upfront, to be transparent, to treat users fairly in order to restore the trust that has been so much affected in the past few years. And the cross-check me mechanism that you mentioned, we've learned through the journal a few weeks ago that uh, the company had not been so much upfront about it with us. We did not hesitate to Simone to speak to us and to explain probably what he hadn't explained to us uh, in the full extent. And the result is, of that is that now Facebook has required us, has requested from us to provide advisory on its policy related to cross-check, to make it more trustful, to make it more fair, to make it more transparent, and make sure that the company, well, respects its own rule. That's really what it's about here. And I am right. personally encouraged by the fact that we're in the right direction and in asking and making those hard decisions. Uh, Julie, it's David Faber. Um, how would you characterize the back and forth between uh, your, your advisory board and the company? Uh, was it amicable? You know, there's a sense that they will listen to you, but they won't actually follow you. And then beyond that, I'd love to get some thoughts from you on when you listen to the testimony from Ms. Hogan and what your thoughts were as well. Well, like everybody else, uh, I was uh, disappointed that uh, the company had not been so much upfront about uh, the cross-check program, uh, but I was also very worried. Uh, Ms. Hogan mentioned the case of Ethiopia where there is an active conflict. And uh, we are really serious about that because we have a case related to Ethiopia right now as I'm speaking. So uh, we are eager to hear from Mrs. Hogan. She has agreed to speak with us, and we look forward to uh, being able to do so. But uh, my, my first reaction was uh, I was shocked. I was uh, disappointed, and I did not hesitate. The, 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 the discussion with Facebook are frank, and we did not shy away from asking hard questions, from telling the company to do much better, and we did not shy away from making recommendations that might not be you know, comfortable for the company. We've heard that. But... Honestly, this is not the question here. The question here is how to make a company as big as Facebook that has so much impact on our societies in the United States, but also around the world. How can we make sure that this company is responsible in respecting the human rights of its users and treating its users, no matter whether they are present, no matter whether street sellers in Eastern Africa, that they are treated fairly because this tool allows so many people to express themselves and it's important that it remains like that. Right. Ms. Wanda, what was the reaction on the advisory board to the extent there was one to, to the whistleblower, to everything we learned in the Wall Street Journal, to what we learned on 60 Minutes, and ultimately as well when she appeared in front of Congress? Yeah, uh, the immediate reaction is we need to speak to Mrs. Hogan. We need to speak to continue speaking to different stakeholders that are external to Facebook, even to speak to our most staunch critics because uh, they are extremely helpful in helping us get in the right direction. So we will continue to do that, to interact with external actors, to interact with civil society organizations and experts around the world, to interact with intergovernmental organizations such as the United Nations, to make sure that we are in the right path, on the right path of holding Facebook accountable on its content moderation and also on lifting, um, you know, the lead on that very, on what was until very recently, a very opaque content moderation process. So I'm hopeful we are really in the right direction. And please read the report. There's so much to learn from it. And please help us in our mission. Uh, and we always welcome feedback from users, but also from organizations, including the yeah. Okay, Julia, I want, just before we let you go, there's something that really is important to me. I tried to do more work on your uh, oversight board, and you guys are very forthcoming, but one thing was very clear. When I was doing the work, it was not Facebook that I went to. I had to go individually to you. I want people to know your level of independence. I want to also uh, understand, Mark Zuckerberg did set this up. Mark Zuckerberg has told me personally how important your board is, what will happen? Are we going to see major changes? Because this is basically, if you want to do what you said, requiring Mark Zuckerberg to do some major changes ahead of definitely his launch, say, of the metaverse. Of course. Uh, we are a very agile organization. Uh, we do not react on hot takes. That's not interesting, I think, even for the general public and not even for the company. Rather, what we, what we do is we make principal decisions, we make principal recommendations that are strongly embedded into human rights conversations and principles. But 
in addition to that, we are also in the world in the 21st century. And so we have to be able to be agile and respond to the challenges that we might face in the mission that we're doing. One of those challenges is at the beginning in our bylaws, there was nothing about us tracking the impact of the work that we're doing and tracking the recommendations that we're making to the company. We have created an implementation working group on which I'm currently uh, sitting on, which is working on metrics to measure accurately how Facebook is implementing our recommendations when it says it would implement them, and also to continue to push the company, implement the recommendations that the company says it cannot implement. And I think that conversation is one of the most interesting ones and one of the most important learnings and takeaways that we can take from this big experiment and historical experiment that I'm really happy to well, Julie, I want to thank you, uh, and I want, again, people to understand how separate and independent your board is, and that this is quite a rebuke, and I really appreciate you coming on to show us the independence you have, and that, well, frankly, I hope Mark Zuckerberg listens to you. It's a very big moment for the company. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for having me. All right. Uh, you can see Facebook shares are down a bit, Jim. Let's get back to, you know, an earn- we got a lot of earnings this morning. We're going to be hearing from Gary Kelly, of course, in Southwest. We did talk to him. I think it was just last week, but we'll get an update given the earnings from that company. But what else? Lamb Research we didn't get to. Why don't well, we the hit reason that? I, I want to focus on Lamb for a moment is because Lamb is at the heart of the food chain uh, of the, let's say, the renaissance that we're supposed to be having of wafer, wafer fabrication. David, they didn't blow the numbers away. ASM, ASML, the Dutch Cup, did not blow the numbers away. So what you have to start thinking is, what's going on? We have a chip shortage, and yet the companies that make the equipment that brings about more chips, not blowing things away. Why not? Candidly, it's a mystery. Now they can say supply chain. Uh, They were both quite confident, the companies, meaning that they didn't I think that if Tim Archer were here, and Tim Archer's excellent CEO, yes. he'd say, look, we bought back a lot of stock. We're doing really well. What's the problem? I think that people are conditioned to thinking, wait a second. If you have that many orders, how can you not be blowing away the numbers? How can you just be in the midpoint? Uh, we're in a business, David, where if you don't beat and raise, you go down. And that's where Lamb is. I happen to think it's an exceptional company. I'm not disappointed, but I'm not blown away. And people want blown away this earnings period. Uh, all right. Uh, I want to come back to uh, Tesla for a second because I want to uh, correct something I said. I, I mentioned what? Starlink as being a part of Tesla. I knew that's not the case. Sometimes you get a little. It's obviously a part of SpaceX is the is the Starlink uh, effort in terms of providing broadband to largely rural areas, but perhaps ultimately a competitor as well to some of the other companies we've been talking about, including AT&T shares are up about 1%. But one of your favorites continues to surge, Jim, uh, and I'm talking about Ford. Yet again, another 2.5% gain in the stock. It is now up 87% this yeah, year. I certainly don't want people to get ahead because the Ford strength will come next quarter. Uh, and I say that because that's probably when their supply chain is doing better. I don't expect a blowout quarter here. Everyone's trying to position themselves ahead of the F-150 Lightning, which is going to be much more of a of a must kind of waiting list merged with a Mark Benioff, Salesforce.com, 360 single source of pickup truck experience right. and truth. So I think Farley's doing everything. Remember, what, what you should be excited about Farley is he, cut, he shut every place down where they're losing money. I mean, when I first met Farley, he said something very interesting to me. He said, we're going, going to make cars only where we make money. Now, of course, that sounds like, are you kidding me? I'm, but that had been Ford's ethos, which is to build cars everywhere. Right. Farley will sell cars everywhere, but he won't build them in places that, that he doesn't think they can make money. The, the, this is a person, David, who's got one goal in mind right now. Beating Musk. I know. All right? You said it. You said it many times. He's beating he Musk. To. And Musk, to him, is Darth Vader. Right. Well, he's got a long way to go. Uh, Musk's market cap is $865 billion. Your buddy at Ford's is 65. Farley's grandfather was one of the first he's got assembly line. He's got $800 billion to go. I Okay, well, look, obviously <laughs> that, that gap's not going to be made up that quickly. No, but that quickly. Yeah, that you don't quickly. Think so. And no, the gross margins aren't nearly as good, and they have no. supply chain problems. But Farley yeah. is a unique man. I have never emailed Farley and not gotten a response. I emailed Farley last night at 4 o'clock, and he's like, oh, 4.05, he comes back. Yeah, Musk not so much, though, right? He still thinks you're a simulation. 
I don't, I don't have that close relationship with Musk, frankly. I know. I just don't. Um, real quick, Jim, because we, we'll get to Gary Kelly in a second. Tesla shares are up 1%. I would note Netflix as well is now up Well, that's what I said would happen. That's after 10. a bit of a that's, fall yesterday on those that, earnings. That was people who just, look. You, when you have been talking you, about TAN. You had 11 TP. Tesla. 11, 11 what's the middle? Amazon, right? A- and Amazon. Yeah, these are companies yeah. that rich people wrote off. Right. That they used to come on air and trash and send us emails saying, listen, we don't know what the heck you're talking about. They're going to go out of business. Well, not only did they not go out of business, but they've taken over the world. So I like to be more optimistic for, against the rich people's negativity. Now, here's one, David, that has been uh, very controversial of late, that I'm not used to controversy, but the no. man always comes on. Yes. Southwest Airlines posting a small third quarter loss. Widespread vaccination boosted travel demands ahead of the peak holiday season. Although there's controversy even about vaccination in the company. So joining us now is a man who is uh, really implacable. I'm talking about the chairman and CEO, Gary Kelly. Gary, you shy away from nothing. And you come on on a day when the stock is down. I know you take a long-term view. First of all, I just want to ask you, before we get to vaccination, how's business, and particularly as David is going to ask you, how is the business of the business person? Are they back? Hey, it's great to be back, and thanks for having us. Um, you know, I just you know, starting with the third quarter, I was really encouraged by the, uh, you know, the surge in, in demand and revenues, and it's just a shame that we had the COVID surge on top of that because it cost us 300 million bucks. Um, but you know, including that, we, we that was a really handsome profit uh, that that we were looking at. So um, very encouraged by that. We didn't end up there, of course, because of the COVID surge. But uh, with that now more or less behind us, the de- demand for the fourth quarter looks um, better uh, as a consequence. Holidays look good. They look very much in line with what we saw pre-COVID in 2019. So. Uh, on the business side of things, uh, Jim, uh, really not much has changed since we talked uh, after the second quarter. I think in July um, when we were here, we talked about business travel being down about 63%, and we regressed. It, it's, uh, in September, I think we were off about 73%. And again, these are all relative to 2019 numbers. Uh, but I'm, you know, we're, our, we're predicting that we'll recover here pretty quickly in the fourth quarter in the down 60s uh, somewhere so it's it's coming back it's just slow uh, but in the meantime the demand from the consumer for leisure travel uh, is really really strong and uh, and we're very well prepared for that okay well last time we spoke we had some uh, we went over some hub and spoke issues frankly in that you were not hub and spoke you just had a huge number of, of planes coming from Florida I've noticed Gary that you did cut capacity. It's going to be down 8% rather than 5%. Is that in response to some of the, you know, let's call them mechanical issues? Oh, that's the wrong word, I guess. Uh, scheduling issues that you had? No, not, not, not at all. Um, basically, okay, you, know, I, you know, Jim, I would kind of liken uh, the situation kind of to the overall nationwide participation rate. So we're seeing a little bit higher attrition. We're seeing a little bit higher... Uh, uh, access of leaves, a little higher attendance, and we just don't have enough staffing to absorb those uh, out-of-work situations, if you will. So we've got to get our our staffing balanced relative to our flight and customer activity, and it feels like we've done that pretty well in the September-October time period. We just want to be a little cautious going in uh, here to the holiday season and make sure we've got that balanced. And we're going to continue to be conservative on that front until uh, until things prove otherwise. So our historic staffing model, uh, models uh, just aren't working right now, so uh, you know we just need to adjust. And, and that's why I said uh, in today's earnings release that I was just too aggressive uh, coming into the third quarter. Uh, so we want to pull back a little bit. But to be within 8% capacity of where we were in 2019 is pretty darn good. Uh, we still have airplanes that aren't flying. We've got 24 airplanes still on the ground. I'm very anxious to get those flying again. And the good news is the demand is there. We just need to get the resources on board uh, so we can grow the airline. Excellent. Now we've got to switch directions a little bit. Uh, You had said at one point that you would put your unvaccinated staff 
uh, on unpaid leave, and then we understand that you uh, took that back. Why did you take it back, and what is your stand right now on the unvaccinated? Uh, well, I mean, first of all, um, you know, we, we all need to defeat this pandemic. Uh, you know, second, my goal would be to get as many of our people to, to look out for their safety and their health, get as many people vaccinated as possible. I am for uh, people getting vaccinated. Having said that, uh, I agree with our state governor that that doesn't mean that that translates into me mandating that our that employees uh, get vaccinated. So now what we're dealing with is, a, in essence, an executive order that is a contractual issue. So we're going to do what we have to do to comply with contract terms, but those are evolving. Uh, and it's not, I, I'm not going to fire anybody. Uh, you've already heard me say that. And yes. uh, our push is to get as many people vaccinated, and we're showing great progress with that, uh, by the way. Uh, we want to encourage people to get vaccinated. We are offering a financial incentive to do that. We're not penalizing people uh, by having them pay, uh, as an example, if they're not vaccinated. So all this is an attempt to encourage people to get vaccinated. If they don't, if they can't get vaccinated, then we're asking them to seek an accommodation for religious reasons, for medical reasons, and we'll evaluate each one of those. Uh, and as long as they're valid, we'll be approving those. And that is in accordance with the contract. We have a big push to get all that done by November the 24th. Uh, and uh, I'm very encouraged with the progress that we're making there. Yeah, Gary, it's David. You know, on that note, I'm just curious because, of course, this is a question that a lot of CEOs are dealing with, given on the one side the government's potential requirement and, and their own employee base. Do you require any vaccines of any other kind of your employees? Uh, you know, I don't know, whatever it might no. be uh, or no. No, 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 we don't. And again, I don't think we should. I don't think a company should require it of its employees either. I want our, again, I want our employees to get vaccinated for a variety of reasons. But, uh, but in the end, I believe that that's their choice. I also want us to remain a government contractor. We've been a government contractor for decades. Right. That means that we carry uh, military charters. Uh, and that's one of our charitable pillars is supporting the military and supporting military families as an example. We carry the U.S. mail. Uh, we are a member of the Civil um, Reserve Air Fleet, uh, which participates in helping refugees from Afghanistan, as an example. So all yep. those things are important, and they're a big customer of ours. So we're going to do our darndest to comply with the contract terms. And uh, at the same time, my top priority is taking care of our people. Last thing I'm going to do is fire somebody because they don't want to get vaccinated. So how Got we it. work all, all the way right. through this... You know, it's a process, yeah. and uh, the White House is directing this, and we're doing our best to comply. All right, Gary, real quick, just to come back to business travel, because we've had this conversation now for a year and a half, it feels like. I mean, you cite down 73, then you talk about down 60, and it is positive, I guess. Do you have or have you formulated any further thoughts, though, about the true return and what it really is going to look like as a percentage of 2019 numbers when it comes to business travel, given all the changes that have taken place in the way that people choose to work? Well, again, going back a year, you know, when we were talking about this in 2020, you remember I was, I was, I was sharing, not that I was pessimistic, I'm just trying to be realistic about this. We all know that the yeah. world has changed dramatically. And so as a planner, all we can do is make assumptions, and I think they should be conservative. I think what we've seen so far now, 20 months into this pandemic, is it argues to be conservative because we're still down 70 percent. Uh, where we go from here is anybody's guess. I think everyone, everyone including me, believes that things will improve. Uh, we'll have events, we'll have conventions, we'll have meetings at a minimum. Uh, a lot of a lot of the business travel, I think, will be tied to are people returning to the office or are they working virtually? So there's a lot of moving parts here uh, and a lot of reasons to be cautious. I think most people believe it will not recover anytime soon to 2019 levels. And we're certainly not planning on that. Now, the good thing about Southwest, we're low cost. We've got a low fare brand and we're very well positioned. Uh, to uh, uh, serve consumers, and and we're going to do well either way, and we're very well prepared uh, either way. 
Gary, always appreciate it. Thank you. You bet. Thanks for having us. Of course, Gary Kelly, Chairman and CEO of Southwest. Uh, I did. Uh, I don't want to give this instant analysis, Gary, yeah. strip, but United Airlines, uh, Scott Kirby, uh, with Phil this morning. Candidly, I, I thought their quarter was, was better if we have to uh, grade quarters, but Southwest is always an A student, how hard it is to come in and give us a B plus. Uh, United was strong, and I do think that what's going to happen here is we're going to have a surge of international travel. And I say that because, again, there is this great reawakening, re- reassessment is what we've been calling it. My uh, head writer, Cliff Mason, is calling it the great reassessment. Right. Um, and what that means, basically, is we're reassessing ourselves. And I am not, I don't like to be ethereal. I am a dollar side represented by men. But, there, uh, but right, you know, that's what I am. But I am now gripped with the idea that there's an existential crisis in this country, not unlike what happened in, in I'm not kidding you, 1865, 1867 where we had lost 500,000 people in the Civil War. And people were saying, what? There was euphoria that the war was over. Now, obviously, that was the greatest crisis in our country's history. But we are looking at euphoria that is making people think, you know what? YOLO. Yeah. No, there's a lot of that. It's a YOLO moment. There's a lot of that. You know how hard it is for me to say something like that? I know it is. Well, I mean, obviously, having lived through the Civil War as well, but you have some perspective on it. Well, I mean, I, I think that... General Grant lived Only, in... Right, you're about 170 years old. <laughs> no. Look, all I can say is, is that there's, there is a reassessment, and it's good. you're going to go international more than you're going to go to Texas. Got it. Okay. All right. Coming up, we're going to go from planes to trains. We're going to talk with the CEO of Union Pacific. That company, of course, uh, out with earnings. Want to talk supply chain? Pretty good person to ask that uh, of. First, though, it is time for the bond report. Nice pictures of that train. You're pretty. Look at how treasures are faring this morning. Let's take a look at yields. You can see at 10-year, Jim, you know, one six. Oh, I'm six. sweating it, partner. I sold t- I sold 20-year bonds for 14%. 20-year bonds, 30-year bonds, 14.5%. Now, there was a return to half. Those were the Volcker years. Those were the halcyon days of bond owners. We'll be right back. And David, you know, I'm a, a maniac about trying to get the other side of the story. Now, uh, we know that Facebook, uh, they were really blasted as being ambiguous, un, un, not responsive to a call for greater transparency. That's the board and the uh, what we heard today from the board. Well, Facebook just released this statement to me. We thank the board for their ongoing work and for issuing their transparency report. There's that issue. Uh, we believe the board's work has been impactful, which is why we asked the board for input into our cross-check system and we will strive to be clearer in our explanation to them going forward. Uh, okay, well, that's a, that's a response. It's the beginning of response. I've been trying to get Mr. Zuckerberg. The time zone is really the issue. And you can see there are eight different times. What matters to me, David, is, is that I first started to delve into this board to see their independence. You couldn't go to Facebook to get information because they're not going to give you information. So you work, you look up. Google. You Google the board. You see who they are. You get a hold of the staff. The staff told me that they might have something for me in uh, in some period of time. They are so independent that I got sprung. Right. I felt I got sprung. I just want people at home to know the news process here. I wake up. I'm working on the, the earnings. I suddenly find the report. I find that we have a spokesperson for it. And believe me, it was pulling teeth just to get to Facebook because of the time zone difference. Understood. But they are. Mark Zuckerberg has told me again and again, I'm going to take this group seriously. Now, the ball's in his court. And we, we await your continued reporting on this. If you look at the people your, on this board, David, it's everybody that you'd like to work with at one point in your life. It's like a Nobel Prize winning. Well, actually, have one. So if Mark Zuckerberg does more than, doesn't do more than just issue this statement, this is from the company, I would be personally disappointed because this group is somebody, he put, he put this group together. All right, what else do we want to do here? We want to get to stop trading? Do we want to, uh, you know, I did want to take a quick look at Blackstone. Because uh, that's one name I didn't get to. John Gray, of course, was a guest on Squawk Box this morning. Uh, president of the firm, where Steve Schwartzman is still the CEO. There's been generational change at so many of these uh, other shops. Right. You know, whether it's Apollo or Carlisle or KKR, but not at Blackstone yet. Uh, but they're killing it, man. That's 160 billion dollar market value now. 
so deserving. I understand that they actually, what, got out of individual houses, what could well, have yeah, been the top. They did, the top. they did a very strong job there in terms of getting in and out. They are fairly nimble, of course, as we know. Uh, fee-related earnings, uh, $779 brilliant, as always million. Today. It's all about, you know, having permanent capital to a certain extent. Uh, and um, $3 billion over the last 12 months. Distributable earnings of $1.6 billion. Remember, becoming a C-Corp, dividend. Anyhow, you can see the response. Well, what, what's important, the stock was at 40. Uh, uh, my friend Stephanie Link was on uh, the 10th anniversary of Scott Wapner show. Yes, saying yesterday. When it was 40, saying, let's go to buy it. People did, it fell in deaf ears. Total deaf ears. David, it's a halcyon day for the rails. Okay, CSX reported some terrific numbers and led uh, terrific by, by coal, believe it or not. Of course, intermetal good, for, fertilizer good, but uh, metals and equipment. So metals, mining, and yep. fertilizer. And then Union Pacific. Now, yeah, I had... We'll be talking to Lance Fritz in a little uh, bit. Yes. Now, I had Lance on, and I. Tr- this is really important because you have him on and I don't. It's Listening. kind of like Andrew Sorkin, and we work... Well, it's not really kind of like that because we're on the same show. But anyhow, go ahead. Okay. Okay, so it's kind of like the Braves uh, Red yeah, Sox. There's a lot but of This is really important. Yes. I had Lance Fritz on recently for sorry to slouch on Mad Money. Move it along. At, the, we're con- out at the conclusion of it, I said, could you please be more bullish? Could you just give me more? That. Could you give me more? Well, he did. He delivered. And I think it's really important to know that Lance Fritz, when push comes to shove, right. is the delivery man. Real quickly, what do you got on Mad tonight? I have no idea. Okay, good. Uh, it says no, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I've got Rumpel Senior. Will you listen? It was a joke. Oh. It was a joke. Oh. I have Whoa. Vlad Tenev. Yes. Right? He's the man of the hour, Robin Hood. Oh, you got Mark, Mark Bitzer. Bitzer. He's got yeah, shortages Rumpel. all over the place. Enon Christ. He's not, you know, Enon Christ. There's no squid game. In, there's guests. no squid game coming down. There's no. not. Not. No. Um, but Enon has turned the company around. And David, so this is some show I have. It's a show and a half, as my friend Ed Sullivan used to say. All right. Come on over here. It's okay. Vlad Tenev. Do you know how hard it was to get Vlad Tenev? Coming up, we have the CEOs of the Nucor and Union Pacific, but you don't get to interview the Nucor, CEO. Nucor, you say about the cash flow. The cash flow is better than the actual number. The important number is actually distorted by an uh, intercompany switch. So ask him about the ultimate cash flow. It was much better than it was best ever. Got it. I got to go get myself a cappuccino with skin wet. You've been listening to the opening bell on CNBC's Squawk on the Street. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools. 